Welcome to episode 13 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Mowat. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, episode 13. If you were to Google positive aging, that phrase, you would get varied results telling you varied things. Since the inner game of aging is very much about positive and successful aging, I wanted to devote an entire episode on what my thoughts are on the topic. Doing this was helpful to me, and I hope it will be helpful to you as well. It will be interesting to come back to this episode after some point in time and see how my thoughts have evolved. You can do the same, of course. During this episode, I explain what my definitions for the term positive aging is and why we would even want to define it. I remind myself of how I developed an interest in all of this. And then I get into how we manage our aging factors, both as a culture and as individuals. I also speak about new research, which clearly indicates that our views and approaches about aging may have been very incomplete and in many areas missing the mark entirely. I also touch upon what I think are the keys to health, positive aging and longevity. Along the way in this discussion, I offer up references and other links that will appear on the show notes page for this episode. The show notes page associated with this episode can be found at innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA13. You can always find the show show notes page for any episode by using innergameofaging.com followed by a forward slash and then IGA then episode number and of course you already know that the IGA stands for inner game of aging so without further words let's join me talking to myself as I sometimes do For this episode, I would like to explore and unpack my own thoughts of what positive or successful aging is as I see it. What you are about to hear is just one man's view, but I have been thinking about these things for a very long time now. I continue to speak with many people and I hear many diverse opinions across a wide spectrum regarding this aging thing. There will be those who disagree with some of the things said in this episode, and as always, I invite responses on the show notes page where I will reply to all respectful comments. This episode doesn't address any specific problem in the realm of aging. There are no mandates or instructions or commandments on how to live a better or longer life that you'll find in this episode. Well, maybe that's not true. In the end, you might find some, but 
We know now that aging is a complex subject that has many different aspects and factors. The following thoughts represent my current understanding and development on the path that continues to unfold before me. I offer it here because I believe there will be people out there, not everyone, who can truly benefit from being exposed to the following ideas as I benefited from them when I stumbled across them. Either way, I hope you find this entertaining or stimulating in some way that benefits you. It is probably best to start off by explaining how I come to be so concerned about aging as a topic. I suppose I could start off with my father who died more than 20 years ago. He had retired 11 years before his death. But his health had already started declining years before he died. I have many recollections of those last 11 years of his life and here are just a few. I recall this once proud man declaring himself no longer young at the tender age of 60. He said it in a manner that indicated that looking behind him was more comfortable than looking ahead of him at only 60 years old. I recall him looking at my 33-year-old physique and saying out loud to himself, I used to look like that, but no longer. I recall how he started to withdraw more and more as the years passed by. My sense was that he was becoming more of an annoyance to those who kept his company. I recall the heavy feeling in me watching him give up more and more of himself as time marched on. He felt he had so much less to give. My mother died many years later at the age of 89. When she was 75, I saw something that amazed me. I watched my mother fall in love again. At 75! It was marvelous to see my mother behave like a secretive teenager. And we all enjoyed watching her during this infatuation. She was needed again. She was able to contribute to another person's life and she became alive because of it. But her quote-unquote elderly ways returned after the euphoria of that love matured into everyday existence. She seemed to lose more of herself as each of her lifelong friends passed away. I recall watching her crumble from a broken heart as she watched my sister's coffin be lowered into the ground. No parent should have to endure that. The memories of my parents completing their lives taught me a lot about the culture we have surrounding aging and death. As many of you know, I do publicity stunts, taking pictures of myself in handstands and headstands in unusual places. For example, I recently came back from Niagara Falls after taking a few pictures of me doing a headstand on the protective railing that stops people from plunging into the falls. 
You can see a video and some pictures of this on the show notes page. I've come to understand something about the reactions I get from people who are watching me do this or seeing the pictures or videos. I will often hear them say that, that's amazing, or you must be strong, or some other comment that indicates their reaction. But their reactions and comments are not really about me at all, and I'm good with that. It's more about their internal ideas of aging, the image that people have inside of them of what a 66-year-old man should be like. These stunts, videos, and pictures has essentially contradicted their idea of what a 60-year-old man should be like what he should be doing and what he should not be doing. This is unfortunate because over the years, I've been able to prove to myself that a person's attitude toward old age significantly affects how they fare once they reach that point in their life. And research is now bearing this out. In a now famous study, when seniors were led to subconsciously subconsciously absorb positive stereotypes about old age, instead of the usual ones that hang around our culture and media, their physical health improved along with their self-esteem and longevity. Again, you can find the link to this research in the show notes page. So I am here today to try to figure out my thoughts on this positive aging dialogue that has started around the country. I want to try to define what positive aging means to me. But first, let's understand why I am looking to define this. Assuming positive aging is a positive thing, a desirable thing, then defining what it is opens the door to achieving it. Defining positive aging contrasts it to more undesirable outcomes in our lives. So it is useful to define it if we are going to achieve it and avoid the more undesirable outcomes. But we must be careful here. A problem is often created or resolved simply in how it may be expressed. For example, if someone has just brushed you off, that person may either be busy or rude. The outside manifestation of these two qualities, busy or rude, look essentially the same. But our reaction to being brushed off will essentially be determined by which of these two words we use to describe the event. So the expression of the problem is just as important as the problem itself. All this really means is that we have to be careful in our description or definition of what positive aging is. We could inadvertently create other problems simply in how we express this. And some of these problems might be difficult for us to see until much time has passed. So for the moment, I will define positive aging as follows. Positive aging relates to the capacity to adapt to the many changes of life as we evolve in our evolution as individuals. This would include changes that come to us from such things as misfortune, illness, or disability. 
The ability to adapt to our life changes makes us very powerful, and a failure to adapt weakens us as individuals and as a society. Aging is a proper and natural process for animals and humans alike. Reaching our elder years should be no more of a problem than the other stages of life. Each of these life periods is just another interval that presents its unique but very normal challenges and advantages. But we must begin to see that aging is a culturally influenced process as well as a biological one. Growing older in one culture may be very different than growing older in another. This becomes even more evident as we explore the blue zones around the world. I will explain what blue zones are a little a little bit later on, but for now just think of them as pockets of population around the world where lifespans are typically longer than what is normally expected. These blue zones teach us that the effect of culture on aging can either add to or subtract from our aging experience. For this reason and a few others, I like to make the distinction between growing older and growing old. You'll hear me say this a lot. For me, growing older refers to our maturation process as human beings. It is the way we proceed from birth to death. It is a natural process dictated by nature itself. However, I refer to growing old as a mental and spiritual decline. It is a path that we may have unconsciously chosen, possibly because of exposure to cultural stereotypes, reaction to sickness or illness, or mounting stress in dealing with the challenges of life. I find our cultural stereotypes to be particularly insidious since we are typically not aware that we're being affected by them. Our socialization includes a process of gradually and unconsciously assimilating ideas, knowledge and other elements of thinking. This is the avenue through which we learn how we should feel for example about having a job, being married, being a parent and many other aspects of living. Of course, we all take on to this cultural indoctrination differently. Some of us accept more easily while others reject more easily. So we are not all going to come out of this socialization process thinking exactly the same things. But either way, our culture provides the largest factor for where our thoughts on aging come from. This became apparent to me when I met with a very devastating accident in 2004 which shattered and pulverized my right foot. Doctors suggested amputation. but my wife insisted on reconstruction i was unconscious and i couldn't speak for myself at the time although occurring nearly 12 years ago i still must take special care of this foot i cannot hike or engage in selected sports as i once did and i feel the pain in that foot regularly as i speak with you i feel it now i was 54 when that accident happened The foot and its struggles are part of my daily life now. 
and my life proceeds with all the vigor that I can muster. I remain proud of my athletics and shifted my sports to those things that are light on that foot, do not give it much burden. Yet when I tell the story of the accident and the foot to others, they imagine scenarios that have them saying such things as, Poor Lee, or I'm sorry for your loss of function, or another, Wow, how do you manage to do so much with that foot? They imagine that living with this compromised foot is a lot worse than it really is for me. They do not know that they too would have accommodated this special foot more gracefully than they think they would have. And so it is with the image of our older people. We can see their struggles and hardships, but we do not yet understand the grace that successful elders have developed in minimizing the imperfections of their lives. We have yet to understand that their happiness and worth are not necessarily hampered by compromised feet such as mine, or aching joints, wrinkles, daily pain, or other natural signs of a body that has experienced the years. Another cultural factor that affects our view and perspective of aging is that, well, there is money to be made from seeing aging as a kind of disease which must be addressed. Aging is not a disease. It is our natural birthright as we mature through all the stages of human development. Despite the cultural effect on our aging, the choices, it is the choices we make or don't make as individuals that have an even greater influence on our aging process. Because of research and anecdotal evidence, I now firmly believe that how we feel about getting older and what we think it will be like for us are very strong determinants of what our personal aging will actually be like. Our fear of aging is mostly about the loss of physical strength and attractiveness. It is mostly about losing mental acuity and the ability to be a productive member of our society. These fears, like most, keep us from living a full life. And they come from our cultural definitions of what a productive citizen is like. The author Richard Leder, in his 2014 book titled The Inner Kill, subtitle The Art of Dying Without Knowing It, he coined the phrase The Inner Kill to reflect a state of living where one has essentially stopped growing. The inner kill occurs when we have given up on ourselves and find ourselves always taking the safe way. This inner kill refers to our tendency to get caught up in our own trials and tribulations to the exclusion of all else. And as we grapple with health issues, decreasing energy, and loss of loved ones, it is easy to get caught up in negative and debilitating thought cycles that kill us before we actually pass on. In reading his book, I am reminded of my father years before he died. The antidote to the inner kill, Mr. Leader argues, is 
serving others, reaching out and finding ways to contribute to a larger good. Through these methods, we find our purpose. Now, I'm not suggesting here that getting older doesn't have its challenges and harsh realities and all the other things that come with getting older. The effect of time on our bodies is indisputable. But our ability to accept these imperfections gracefully also increases with time, and that is not something that a younger person can easily see. So if I look at what aging is today compared to what's a 30 to 50 years ago, I can see that the face of aging is changing. More of us are becoming consciously aware of the stereotypes we have been living under. More of us have become more aware of the lifestyle choices we've made that bring on this aging characteristics that we exhibit. And there is new research that sheds new light on this thing we called aging. The motivation to find out more and to ask different questions has received a kick in the pants. Why? In part because the baby boomers have reached an age to have a deep interest in these things. And the boomers have had a profound effect on each decade that they've been on this planet. So in the past 20 years, there has been a lot of research that relates to a variety of aspects about growing older. The first research that I would like to mention is that related to the blue zones of the world. I mentioned the blue zones earlier in this episode, and I'd like to go into a little bit more detail about what they are and their characteristics. As I said before, blue zones are the places around the world where people live to a hundred and typically stay healthy throughout their lives. There are five blue zones that have been identified throughout the world. These are Sardinia off the coast of Italy, Okinawa off the coast of Japan, Nicoya Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica, Icaria off the coast of Greece, and surprisingly enough, a town in Southern California called Loma Linda, which is the home of the largest concentration of seven-day Adventists. In exploring these blue zones, researchers have discovered several common factors that they all seem to share. The first common characteristic is that of physical movement. Physical movement and exercise is embedded in their lifestyles. Most of these cultures grow gardens and do much of their own housework and yard work by hand. Another common factor is that these blue zones have cultural routines that manage or reduce stress in some way. We now know that stress leads to chronic inflammation, which is associated with every major age-related disease we know of. But the stress routines in these cultures seem to mitigate that. The Okinawans of Japan take a few minutes each day to remember their ancestors. The Icarians of Greece take a traditional nap while the Sardinians engage in happy hour. The people in the blue zones tend to eat their smallest meal in the late afternoon or early evening, and then they don't eat any more for the rest of the day. Current research on calorie restriction is bearing out the effectiveness of these kinds of practices. 
and their diets have a particular slant toward plants instead of animals as food. Meat is typically eaten only about five times a month in most of these areas, and serving sizes of meat tend to be about the size of a deck of cards. I'll have more information about this in the show notes. In all but one of the blue zones, alcohol is consumed moderately and regularly, surprising enough. Research seems to confirm that moderate drinkers seem to outlive non-drinkers, with wine being the beverage of choice. Now, I know every time I hear that statement, it seems like an excuse for people to go out binge drinking, but that's not what happens in the Blue Zones. Another characteristic of the Blue Zones is that family always comes first. Now, this usually means keeping aging parents and grandparents nearby or in the home itself. They commit to life partners and they invest in their children. Also, the social networks in these blue zones promote healthy behaviors and frown on unhealthy behaviors. Another area of research that is showing much promise are studies about the brain, especially the aging brain. We discover that the brain is not fixed as we once thought, but adapts to our life experiences throughout our entire lives. This capability of the brain is called neuroplasticity, and it is opening the door to many, many things. Researchers are discovering differences in the younger brain versus the older brain, and it's reviewing some of the benefits, yes, you heard me, benefits of growing older. A few examples of these benefits are as follows. First, while short-term memory may be compromised, pattern recognition is enhanced in the older brain. The designs of life become more apparent to us. I like to illustrate this by the story of the old Indian who could tell that it would rain three days from now, simply by looking into the sky and feeling the air. His years on earth taught him the weather patterns in ways the younger Indians had not yet learned. Another benefit of the older brain is a greater capacity for empathy. Empathy is a trait that is learned and refined as we age. After all, how many adolescents do you know with the gift of empathy? And can you imagine a society or culture that does not embed empathy among its values? And one of the most valuable benefits of the older brain, as far as I'm concerned, is its much greater skill in maintaining emotional stability. Managing emotions is a skill that takes most of us decades to master. The older brain has greater experience in successfully managing such emotions as sadness, anger, or fear, allowing us to leave behind a drama-filled youth. Those of us who are married for long periods of time can really appreciate this one. Older people simply know themselves better than they did in their previous years. The more we live with ourselves, the more we come to know the person who lives in our own skin. 
The ancient Greek maxim to know thyself has proven to be one of the most powerful throughout the ages. So I see aging as our natural maturation process. But generally speaking, the path to higher quality aging begins by feeling better about our natural aging process. All stages of life are required to support the full spectrum of humanity. None of these periods are superfluous to our existence as a species. Even the dying offer their contributions to us by teaching us the value of living, how not to take life for granted, and the reasons for living each moment. Each stage of life has its own unique gift to contribute to the world. Our aging gives us clear views of ourselves and what true happiness might be. It spiritualizes us naturally and our personal environments and societies benefit from this important maturation. With the developments that occur in the older brain, our societies and culture can appreciate and promote a form of personal beauty that only time and maturity can give us. And you can imagine what might happen when Hollywood and the media start to embrace that kind of beauty on a more wide-scale basis. I believe it was Audrey Hepburn who objected to her publicity photos being touched up as she aged. She said, I've earned every one of those lines. Please don't take them away. Wise woman. I believe that once we get positively involved in our final levels of development, we will be too immersed in our purpose for living to demean our aging process with negative stereotypes. Now, we can define positive or successful aging all we like, but what is the path to achieving that? There are no simple recipes for aging well. We are all individuals with differing needs. There is no one-size-fits-all in this area. But we can still make general and broad assumptions that benefit most of us. And these will also give guidance to the outliers on both ends of the bell curve. As individuals, our lifestyles and choices play a large role in how our aging process unfolds and research shows it is never too late to correct our ways. As individuals, we personally control six important factors that determine how we mature and age. Number one is our exercise or how we move our bodies. Using our body is key to having a healthy one. Now, this is not a call to be doing handstands or other such things. I have to explain one day why I have the handstand in my logo. But it is clear that sedentary people put themselves at risk. And one surprise that is coming from recent research is how much benefit strength training gives us. I'll need to devote an entire podcast episode on that one. Number two is our food. As you probably already know, there is much controversy around the food that makes up the American diet. 
Awareness is growing all around us as to how bad our food has become and how much better we could all do in this regard. This is an important topic all unto itself, and I expect to develop several podcast episodes to give us all information about what's happening in this area. The third factor controlling our aging process and our health entirely is our water. Water is essential to life. Hydrating ourselves properly is a key element in maintaining health. I know I need to drink more water, and I'm sure most Americans fall into that group as well. The effects of dehydration is very subtle. We could be in dehydrated conditions for years without realizing. Every function of our body requires good, clean water. Three-quarters of our brain is water. Four-fifths of our blood is water. And water makes up one-fifth of our bone composition. Water protects and cushions our vital organs. It regulates our body temperature and helps carry nutrients and oxygen to our cells. And the list of benefits go on and on. Number four is our sleep. In the past 10 years, a lot of research has gone into our sleeping habits. Many of us survive on inadequate or poor sleep quality. For example, I would often go for weeks at a time with only five hours a night. Our anxieties and responsibilities promote these kinds of compromises to our health. Moving on, the fifth factor that controls our health and aging is a strange one. It is how we feel about ourselves or our self-esteem. Yes, our self-esteem is a health factor. Research has shown that people with higher self-esteem tend to take better care of themselves. Life unfolds differently for a person with low self-esteem versus a person with high self-esteem. And these differences more than not find their way into our health conditions. The sixth and final factor I want to mention in this list is stress control. The increase of stress all around our environment is well documented. The connection to stress and all sorts of chronic ailments is also well documented. Stress control can take many forms. Exercise and meditation are my favorites, but there are so many other ways to relieve yourself of the stresses and strains that occur from everyday living. Interacting with loved ones, engaging in a passion or hobby, yoga, tai chi, connecting with nature, the list goes on and on of what we can do to get a calmer life inside of ourselves. Despite the culture we live in, we can all make choices to improve these six conditions of our life. And the more of us that do so, the quicker our culture will change to support healthier lifestyles. As I've said many times now... Positive aging is also very much about how you feel about getting older. And research is starting to show us the power and benefits of getting older, as we've just seen. 
It is not just about the wrinkles or decreased functioning in the body. There is more to understand about what is gained as we age. Since attitudes play a vital role in the outcome of our lives, I'd like to offer six suggestions that could help ease our attitudes into more positive directions. The first suggestion is to never stop learning about the world around us. There is more to know than one lifetime could possibly ever teach us. Satisfying that playful curiosity is a key element to never growing old. Continuous learning is a part of what healthy aging is all about. The second suggestion may not fit everyone, but I find it extremely useful for me personally. Understand that retirement is not about leisure or free time. It is actually a time of work, but work that you choose. It is a time to get busy on your final chapter of life. Retirement is a redirection of your efforts toward goals and purposes that you and only you define. It is a reinvention of who you are at a time when you know yourself better than any previous time in your life. It is a time to focus on what you could leave behind and have a lot of fun doing it. The third suggestion I have for solidifying a positive attitude about aging would be to express your ideas to others and in writing. Writing ideas has been discovered to be one of the best ways to prevent neurodegenerative diseases such as dementia. And in general, the more we express, the more we will be able to express, just like anything else. The fourth suggestion is something I find very valuable for me. Don't confine your friendships to your own age group. There is something to be enjoyed and gained from people of all ages. How many friends do you have that are more than 15 to 20 years older than you or 15 to 20 years younger? How much do you engage thinking that is different from your own? I find that keeping an open mind is something that we have to work at, but the benefits more than justify that small effort. The fifth suggestion about maintaining positive attitudes about aging is to understand and practice gratitude. Even scientific research is proving that gratitude is a powerful avenue toward optimism and happiness. But our gratitude muscles, as I like to call them, must be exercised. The more we thank life for its gifts, the more life gives us to be thankful for. The sixth and last suggestion is also a strange one. It is simply to understand acceptance. We all must learn to accept that which we cannot change. The serenity prayer comes to mind here. We have to find peace with that which is no longer under our control. I have a friend, for example, who did not find peace and happiness until he found himself confined to a wheelchair. He is still a very powerful person influencing much around him, 
but the peace and grace by which he has accepted the confinement of a wheelchair and the power that remains in him as a person to influence the world around him is truly impressive. In life, we play the hand we are dealt with as best as we can. It doesn't matter, really, what that hand is. We can take advantage of whatever cards are dealt to us, and we can turn them into more than you think we can. With the power of acceptance over that which we cannot change, we can find a certain kind of peace that allows our power to shine through in those areas where we can influence. Allow me to begin to wrap up here by talking a little about what you can do to help spread the message of positive, successful, graceful aging. Help others to understand that growing older and growing old are two different things, and that we have no choice in getting older, but growing old is an option that we can avoid for our entire lives. There are several ways in which you can do that. First, subscribe to the Inner Game of Aging website to learn more about how you can become part of spreading this message to those in need of it. Just visit innergameofaging.com and hit the, the subscribe button that you will see on the site. You can also subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else you're listening to it from. And each episode of the podcast will be automatically downloaded so they are ready for you to share. Another way to help others discover this podcast is by leaving a review in iTunes. Reviews help others to discover this podcast when they search for new podcasts on their own. Please also visit the show notes page for this episode to find out more information about everything you've heard in this episode. You can find the show notes page at innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA13. Leave a comment there to let me know how you've enjoyed this episode, or maybe not. Let me know if I should do more of this or less of this. I'd like to see or hear your reactions to this sort of format. Or maybe you have thoughts that disagree with a few of the things you've heard in this episode. Or you may have different thoughts or opinions. I would love to hear them. If you can expand my thinking with your own, please leave a comment. Let's get engaged with each other. I welcome all thoughts that expand our exploration in these areas, whether they agree with my own or not. You can also email me directly using the email lee at innergameofaging.com. I am always anxious to read your comments and feedbacks. So until next time... Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Lee Mo Watt. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. That's theinnergameofaging, no spaces, dot com. 
Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old. 